So today's reading is from chapter 3 um, which, of Genesis, which is on page 5 of the Church Bibles, starting from verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals of the Lord God had made. Starting again from um, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say we must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that a fruit to the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who is with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed thick leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then a man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from a tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you've done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offsprings and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from a tree of which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return." Adam named his wife Eve because she would become mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flushing back and forth to guard, to guard the way to the tree of life. 
Thank you, Kate, very much indeed for reading that. And can I just add uh, to John's welcome? It's great to see you here at Trinity, whether you've been many times before or whether it's your first time. My name's Jeremy, and it's great to see you. Uh, we're carrying on with our series, Who Do You Think You Are? We're in the second of a, a three-week look at Christianity and our physical bodies, and we're going to look at various parts of the Bible as we do that. And just like last week, there's going to be a question time after the talk. And you, as John said, you can submit questions using the QR code on your service sheet, or you can vote for questions if someone asks just the question that you wanted to ask yourself. Um, as they say, the lines are now open. So um, please do submit uh, a question at any time that you want to during the talk. And then we've got about 10 minutes to answer those towards the end. I'm going to pray as we begin. And uh, if you'd like to, then please join me. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that your word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. And uh, I pray, Father God, that as we look at your word, so you would light up the way ahead of us. And uh, that by your grace, you would enable us to follow the path that you have set for us in your word. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Most people, if they're going to miss an event, do so because uh, they've got a bit of a cold uh, or a mild headache. Not me. I don't do things that way. No, three times I've had to miss church events at the last minute because I've been admitted as an emergency to hospital. Uh, that's where I do things, not with anything life-threatening, but definitely something inconvenient. Uh, we're putting on a, uh, a training event for church leaders across London. We've flown in a speaker especially. I had to cancel that from the hospital ward. Slightly embarrassing. Um, uh, Madush, uh, where's Madush? Uh, Madush, I'm so sorry. One of your first sermons had to be prepared in what, two hours? Um, I'm so sorry about that because um, I was on my way to A&E. I had Madush a call, say, Madush, preach a sermon, any sermon. Uh, and he did, he did incredibly well. Um, Churn and Sarah, what can I say? I'm so sorry. I had to miss your wedding when I was supposed to be taking it. Um, I'm so glad that you invited a spare vicar. We now advise every, every couple that are getting married to invite a spare vicar, just in case I get taken off on a stretcher. I mean, the fact is that our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, we, we saw that last week as we started this series. We thought about creation. Our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. They're beautiful things. They're precious artwork. They're things to be taken care of. But we need to see them through the trinoculars. Do you remember this? This is my invention last week, the trinoculars. Not particularly practical, I'll admit. But what it's saying is that we're taking three looks at the same thing. It's, this series is really, is really one sermon. We need to see our bodies through all three lenses simultaneously. Because our bodies are wonderfully created, but at the same time, they're messed up by the fall. We're going to think about that today. And then at the same time, they're waiting for their redemption, and one day they'll be glorious. And that's what we're going to think about next week. But I'm, I'm, I'm well aware that for some of us in the here and now, as we think about our bodies, that can leave us feeling very broken and very, very distressed. And that's our first point. Uh, first point of three, our bodies are broken by sin. They're broken by sin. You can see that in the, in the start of um, Genesis 3. 
um, what is sin. Sin is, is turning our backs on God and what he says is true. And we can see Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden doing exactly that. They're given a, a whole garden of yes and, and just one tree of no, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what do Adam and Eve do? They, they doubt the truth of God's words and they doubt God's character. They doubt that God is really on their side. And they turn their backs on him and they, and they go off in their own direction. And all of us have followed in their tracks. And from that point onwards, Genesis 3 in the Bible, everything is broken. It's broken. So there's physical shame. You can see that in, um, in verse 7, chapter 3, verse 7, the eyes of both of them were opened, the realized that they were naked. Uh, and, and there's physical suffering. You can see that in verse 16, pain in childbirth and uh, painful toil in verse 17. And that's the point, really, that under the curse of Genesis 3, our, our broken bodies become a reminder of the broken relationship that we have with God and with one another. Um, our broken bodies are a reminder of that. This is how another part of the Bible puts it, um, a part of the Bible called Romans. You'll see it go up on the screen. It says, the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. It's, it's not without hope, is it? Um, it's not without hope, but for the time being, our bodies are subject to frustration. And you'll probably know that as well as I do. We feel that, don't we? We feel that our bodies shouldn't be like this. That's a very strange thing to feel, isn't it? Unless, unless they were really made for a better world. Don't you think? Because our, our experience, firstly, is one of shame. Uh, for some, that'll be shame about the way that they look. The Mental Health Foundation, I was reading that this week, says about a third of us in the UK have felt anxious or depressed because of concerns about their body image. Um, just over one in five adults, 21%, said that images used in advertising had caused them to worry about the appearance of their body. You know, once upon a time, we might have um, compared ourselves with a few other people that we knew at school or, or in our family. Now we have photoshopped images of people from all over the world. And uh, they may not even be real, real people, but they set an unrealistic image in our minds of what beauty should look like and what our bodies should look like. And so we feel shame. And for some of us, we might um, have had criticism in the past over, over the way that we looked and those words have stuck and, and that's a tape that we play over and over again in our heads. For some people that's true. For some of us will have experienced prejudice because of the color of our skin uh, or because uh, of our um, ethnicity. And for others of us, although it's very complicated, we'll be struggling with our eating, with eating disorders, um, or with a desire to self-harm. I've certainly got friends who are struggling with body image, and it is a very, very bitter struggle. So we experience shame about our bodies. And then along with that, we, um, we experience all kinds of disability and illness. Long-term pain, chronic illness infertility, those are all things that we 
um, find difficulty. It's natural, isn't it? It's natural sometimes to think that, that God is punishing us for a particular thing that we've done wrong. Um, Jesus himself says that that's not, not the way that God works. Um, someone came up to him and said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answers very clearly, neither this man nor his parents sinned. In general, we're, we're not meant to make that connection between specific illness and specific sin, but our bodies are, are broken as a sign of a broken world. It's a frustrated world. It's a world that sin has put out of kilter, and it's not right. And that means, too, the Bible says, the Christians aren't immune from illness. There's a particularly cruel imitation of the gospel. You might have come across it, the sort of health and wealth gospel that says that Christians will enjoy perfect health and a suffering-free life. It's particularly cruel because it often comes with blame. Uh, it says that if you are ill, it's because you haven't given enough money or you haven't been committed enough, you haven't got enough faith. That's very cruel, isn't it, to tell someone that. Now, Christians will sometimes feel shame and they will often suffer illness. And then, of course, all of us are going to experience death. Um, someone said to me the other day, all the wars and famines in the world didn't put up the death rate for very long. It's <laughs> a good way of putting it, isn't it? Um, of course, Adam and Eve in the garden don't die straight away. God, God says that they will die, and, and they do die, of course, but they're, they're like sort of laptops that have been unplugged from their power source. If you've ever forgotten your power cable for your laptop, it's going to die in the end. And Adam and Eve do. It's only a matter of time as it is for all of us, although we might feel quite immortal uh, when we're in our 20s and 30s. It's true for all of us. James chapter 4, verse 14 puts it like this. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Here is your life, Bible style. There you go. It's only water, by the way, Tom, if, you <laughs> if you're wondering. That's your life, Bible style just a mist. And as God promises in uh, Genesis 3 verse 19, we are returning to the dust. One writer, Bill Bryson, uh, one of my favorites, puts it like this. You'll see it on the screen. We shed skin cells copiously, almost carelessly. Run your finger along a dusty shelf and you are in large part clearing a path through fragments of your former self. Silently and remorselessly, we turn to dust. That's while we're still alive. For dust you are, and to dust you will return, says God in Genesis chapter 3. Our bodies are broken by sin. But that's not all that this part of the Bible says, uh, or indeed the Bible as a whole, because our, our bodies, as well as being broken by sin, are also capable of sin. I don't, I don't imagine I have to spend too long convincing you of that, but it's worth reading what the Bible says. That's the second of our three points. Our bodies are capable of sin. Uh, Justin and I like to go camping in a place called St. Agnes, which is down uh, in the Isles of Scilly, just off the end of Cornwall. And we turned up uh, a few years ago and went onto a part of the island known as Goo, uh, which is one of our favorite places. And it was uh, completely black and burnt, the whole thing, still smoking. And there'd been a massive fire across the whole of the side of the island and uh, all of the trees and bushes had gone up and it was just black ground 
still hot in places and, and, and smoking. And it had been set off by a single spark, I think, uh, uh, from a firework. And similarly, our bodies can cause a huge amount of damage, you know. And uh, this is what it says in another part of the Bible, uh, another part of the book of James, which we quoted from earlier on. It's on the screen. It says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. It's not saying that our, our bodies sort of get us into trouble and we're just innocent bystanders. It was my body. Um, you know, it was just my body doing that, nothing to do with me. We can't really say that. But what it, what it is saying is that our, our bodies become sort of ground zero for expressing sin. They tend to be the way that sin is expressed and, and, and the way that it comes out. And so, you know, a spark starts a fire. Sometimes you say things or, or, or you lose it or you think to yourself, ah, time for some home truths. You know, and then you say something you regret in your marriage or, or with your kids or with your parents with your best friends. Um, and then those, those words are out there in, in someone's memory um, or on social media. And you sometimes you, 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 you see them come out of your mouth and you wish you could just sort of reel them back in. I don't know if you've ever had that sort of feeling. You say, oh, I was only joking, but you weren't. Um, sometimes it causes deep regret. Um, Dawn's mum, my mother-in-law, um, uh, when she became a Christian, said that she realized that she'd destroyed every relationship she'd ever had through the things that she'd said. And so our bodies express our sinful intentions. It's interesting, isn't it, that the sin in, in the Garden of Eden is expressed physically. It, it, it's, it's taking and eating fruit. Uh, it has a physical component to it. When when Paul wants to talk about the whole sort of variety of sins that we get involved in, in Romans chapter 3, then he uses parts of the body. He's, he's, he's making the point that there's no one who does good, not even one, um, before he shares the stunningly good news of the gospel. And, but he says things like this, their throats are open graves, um, their tongues practice deceit, their tongues again, you know, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood. You know, you sort of list the different parts of the body um, and the ways in which they can be used. Our, our body is sort of ground zero for expressing sin. We need to be aware of that. And so some of us, I imagine many of us, will feel guilty for the way that we've used and abused our bodies. And that might prevent us from wanting to come close to God. Uh, Bobby Moore was in the news this week. Did you read that? All about his shirt, I think, that had got lost... Um, he was uh, the person who captained England to victory in the 1966 World Cup. That was the last time England won the World Cup, but it's best not to mention that. But during the game, he got absolutely covered in mud, um, and you can see him, and, he, and he's walking up the steps to, to pick up the trophy from the Queen. And you can see on the, on the picture, the Queen is wearing white gloves, and he's obviously terrified that he's going to make her gloves dirty because his hands are covered in mud. You just see him sort of rubbing his hands frantically against his kit to try and get himself clean. And, and we can end up feeling like that, you know, dirty and guilty because of the ways that we've used our bodies. And, 
And, and we can feel as if our bodies are in some ways blemished and spoilt and unclean. And uh, we know that like Adam and Eve in the garden, we've turned our backs on God. And, and it's left us with this sense, just like Adam and Eve, of wanting to run away and hide or, or cover ourselves up or just avoid God at all costs. And that's why we need to know this third point, that Jesus took our sins onto his body. Jesus took our sins onto his body. It was a physical thing. You know, our, our world's been subject to futility. Our bodies feel broken. And at the very same time, we know the pain that our own bodies have caused, whether it's the things that we've said or the things that we've done. And I mean, on, on the one hand, that gives us, if we're Christians, reasons to be the most compassionate people on earth. We should be the most compassionate people on earth. When we see people whose bodies are broken by illness or confusion about gender or, or sexuality, we should be the first to listen and the last to condemn. That's right, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the time will come to speak truth, and it's important that we do speak truth as Christians, but not unless we can do it with love. Truth with love. But in the end, we must be compassionate because we serve a compassionate Jesus. That's the thing. Listen to what the book of Hebrews says about Jesus. It describes him as being like a high priest because he offers a sacrifice. But this is what it says about him in Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The point he's making is that there's never a lack of understanding with Jesus. He gets it. He, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't come down into the pit of sin with us, he, but, but, but he understands all the temptations that we've faced, and, and he can pull us out of the pit. Um, he was tempted in every way that we are. Not, not in every individual way, but, but in every kind of way. He's not shockable. He ran the full gauntlet. And that's why we need a savior who's physical, you see. We need a savior who's physical because then he can enter fully into our human experience. No other savior would do. He suffered shame at the cross. He knows what it's like to feel shame. He was despised and rejected. People turned their faces away from him in disgust. They were appalled at him. They shouted things at him to undermine him. And, 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 and he suffered injury as well. Jesus said it himself. He knew he was going to be flogged and, and beaten twice by the Jewish authorities and then scourged by the Romans. Um, he knew exhaustion. He carried wounds. He had a crown of thorns pushed down onto his head. And he suffered death. He knows what it's like to die. Proved by the spear in his side, his death certified by the Roman centurion, carried by Joseph of Arimathea, and body bound in grave clothes, and then put in a grave. And we, we need a saviour who's physical, um, because he can enter into our, into our human experience and bear the sins of, of our bodies on his body. See that? Like for like. There's a film on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, 
is called The Wonder. And um, it's an upsetting film. It's not an easy film to watch. It's about an 11-year-old girl called Anna who's, who's stopped eating for several months. And it's set in a, in a religious part of Ireland in the 19th century. And I don't want to give too much away um, in case you want to see it for yourself. But one critic puts it like this. She is carrying in her body the sins of others. She is trying to be redemptive. It's a tragic thing, isn't it, that, that she feels that she has to suffer in that way when Jesus has carried in his body the sins of us all. Those verses on the screen talking about Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. 1 Peter 2, 24. We've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And then from Colossians 1, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. I mean, of course, like Anna, sometimes we'll, we'll try and pay for sin ourselves. Sometimes our body, bodies will suffer because of that, because we feel that we're trying to pay for sin. But Jesus suffered in his body to pay for our sin. We don't have to punish ourselves anymore. Wonderfully liberating. You know, our, our bodies no longer need to be identified by what others have done to them or by what we've done to them. They're identified by the price that was paid by Jesus with his body, paying for our sins and setting us free if that's what we want him to do. He was shamed and injured and died so that we could serve him with our bodies and Look forward to redemption bodies in the future. So this week, let's, let's care for each other, shall we? We'll need to be a close and loving church family who are prepared to do life together. Um, we'll need to point each other towards professional help sometimes. That's, um, that's, that's sometimes true. But we'll definitely need to show kindness. Some of us will be going through incredibly hard experiences. And it's not easy to open up about that particularly in a, in a place where everyone else seems to be doing just fine. We want to be a church where we can support each other in what we're going through. Let's um, care for each other. Let's listen to each other. You know, it, it, it's very easy in our sort of, um, in our group to, to, um, to leap in with the right answer. Do you find that? Um, to recommend a book or a podcast, or think of just the right verse. Now, those aren't bad things, but we need to listen to each other. Um, we need to give each other our full attention. It's a wonderful gift, isn't it, to give someone your, your full attention when you're talking to them. It's such a rare thing. Let's use that gift generously. Let's, let's pray for each other and be honest um, when we ask people for prayer. Prayer triplets, prayer requests, prayer partnerships, prayers after church. Um, let's, let's repent of our sins where, we, where we're aware that we've done things wrong we've never taken them to God let's let go of bitterness if, uh, if people have harmed us in the past and let's point each other relentlessly to Jesus Christ um, he's the one who has compassion the one who tells us the truth and the one who suffered in his body so that we could be redeemed Shall we pray as we finish? Let's pray.
Father God, you know that our bodies are um, places that may have suffered from other people's sin. Uh, and uh, they're certainly um, places where we may have expressed sin. Thank you, Father, that Jesus died uh, bodily, physically, um, so that our sins could be forgiven. And I pray, Father, that we would uh, let go of the ways that we've done wrong and allow Jesus Christ to pay for them. I pray we know his compassion on us, that he understands us, uh, that he knows what we're going through. He was tempted in every way. And I pray that we'd look forward to our redemption bodies. Thank you that you are the God who will, if not in this world, then one day completely heal us of all of our wounds. And we long for that day in your name. Amen.